The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and today it's 2021 PGA Tour storylines. And joining me to break them all down, Kyle Porter is here. KP, what up? Uh, I'm excited. I could go three hours on this, but we'll try to keep it to 35 minutes. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm pumped. Storylines is always it feels more. I feel more in control of storylines than I do predictions. So I'm doing, I'm writing my predictions at the beginning of next week for cbssports.com. And that's usually just a, it's, it's tough to look back on at the end of a year. So I'm, I'm glad we're doing storylines today. I feel like I can control it a little bit more. Yeah, we are. We're, we're okay at hitting producer Jacob's time frames for these episodes, but joining a special guest on the line, Jonathan Coachman, the coach host of the new early edge podcast on the CBS sports podcasting network coach. First off, welcome. And how's the new pod going? I love it. It's going great. I think we're, we're exceeding expectations or at least that's what they're telling me. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it, it's it, it's great getting up in the more early in the morning. It's great being in everybody's feed. I love being at CBS Sports. Uh, but to be honest with you, one of the biggest reasons I wanted to come to CBS Sports was your podcast, this podcast. Obviously, I work for the PGA Tour. Uh, I love golf, and I'm excited to be on with you guys because uh, you're so good. You're so smart uh, at the world of golf. Wow, thank you. So let's. Uh, so just to recap, the early edge. I like it because it's under ten minutes. Yep. I like it because it's. Uh, you know, I'm on the West Coast. It's still early for me. You guys are, are are cranking it out. So good for you. Stoked for things to come. Yeah, it's great. Rick Rick's like Rick likes it because he can wager on stuff on his phone now because he <laughs> lives know. in Las Vegas. So <laughs> yeah, the 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 mobile betting options in Nevada are like. Uh, yeah, I was telling these guys the other day, Coach, uh, making bets from my couch on my phone is like a, a new thing for me. So. So, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm getting all the the football action that you guys are throwing out, and I'm getting those wagers in. Good, good. And I it, 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 I feel like I live in a tea. I call it a tea state because I'm in California, yeah. and I'm close to being able to actually doing it uh, off my phone, but not quite yet. So I'll live through you for right now. Much appreciated. All right, 2021 PGA Tour storylines. I think obviously the the big storyline for 2020 was the world being flipped upside down. It's it's COVID 19. It's the 91 day uh, break that we had from the PGA Tour and everything that came before, during, and after that. So, Coach, we'll start with you here. What is the new normal? look like right 2021 is still going to have some feelings of 2020 we don't know when fans are coming back i don't know if golfers schedules will be impacted i mean you know we're, we're, we're saying goodbye to 2020 but there's going to be some lingering effects into 2021 I, I would be shocked if we see fans at really any tournaments to speak of or any consistency probably before june or july in fact i would be shocked if we see the Open Championship this year, that's where I feel like it's going. So 
people better get used to the new normal. I was also uh, – it exceeded my expectations how the players were able to handle it, deal with it, and create the drama despite no fans. And you could list five or six tournaments that were incredible. Mm-hmm. And, yes, the announcer said it would have been great to have <laughs> – fans here when Morikawa dropped one on the head of Justin Thomas, who just dropped on the head. You know what I mean? But this is the new normal, and I think that we've embraced it and we're used to it, and and I would say we're going to see the same for much of 2021. Yeah, KP, it's interesting, and and we've we've had those conversations as well, right? Rom's chip in at the memorial, right, and he's still going to go nuts. Or when he draw when he buries a sixty six footer on DJ, he's still going to show you the emotion. Would have been cool to have fans there, but I I think I'm with Coach. I think that the tour obviously benefits in a big way from the gate and from the hospitality suites and all that stuff. But like, you know, knock on wood, the tour's doing a good job with all this. They're they're kind of can keeping it under control. I mean, it's 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 a weird dynamic right now. It is a weird dynamic. I I think the thing that I'm thinking about, and I'd love to hear y'all's answers on this, is if you could only pick one tournament, we'll we'll exclude the Ryder Cup. So just throw the Ryder Cup out. If you could pick one tournament in 2021 to have fans at, what what would you pick? Oh, it's easy for me. I'm I'm actually calling this this tournament for PGA Tour Live, and that's the waste management. Yeah. For me, it's Phoenix, and it's it's especially early in the season. To me, you got to have fans there to make it what it what it is known to be. I think that's right. I I think well, I think that um, and it's been jarring without fans, Kyle, and it's it's but but not having fans uh, at the waste management at TPC Scotts, I think will be even more jarring, right? I mean, I don't know if they would even put the put the bleachers up, right? I mean, just just let it play it like when we always see that footage of, of Tiger making an ace. I don't know what year it is and there's no grandstand there like before they built the minor league stadium around around 16 there and it's just like maybe we'll get that version of it. I think it was 97. I think that was oh, right what? before he won the Masters that year, I think. Yeah. Um I would pick not the US Open because nobody ever cheers there because there's nothing to cheer for. Um, <laughs> Death and destruction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, double bogey. Let's go. <laughs> the PGA is going to be, uh, it's kind of, I think fans at Kiowa is going to be kind of hard to maneuver. I, I would probably pick the Masters. I, I, just being there in, in November, the first couple of days was so normal because the first couple of days are so relaxed anyway at a normal masters but then the last two were just it was just weird like it was just not and i don't know if that if it came across on i don't know how it came across on tv but it was just it, it wasn't it, it was the most different i think those last two rounds than than probably any other tournament all year I, I really felt like it was. I felt like it played much, much easier because they, there wasn't the pressure of having the fans and having the sounds and hearing everything's in the in the trees that, that we normally hear, right? And I think that's what well, goes so deep. Yeah, that's and I asked DJ that on Saturday night. I, I asked him, I said, is it, it tomorrow on Sunday, is it going to be easier or harder with, like, you got to choose one of them without people being there. And because, you know, Rory talked about how it's harder, but DJ was like, "Ah, if I have to pick one, probably a little bit easier. And I think that's probably what's so funny, Rick. I I just love DJ. I just love (laughs) picturing him give that answer. Like, "Mm, probably easier, right? Like, he kind of hemmed it hot. And you could tell him thinking, like, is one of these answers going to get me in trouble or do I need to to filter this? Uh, But it's true. It was just, it wasn't. I think I think the the cauldron was just so much easier, especially at a place like Augusta. 
Speaking of one Dustin Johnson, it takes us to our next storyline here. And coach, this is yours. And, and it really boils down to can Dustin Johnson continue this dominant play? I mean, he wins the Travelers. He runs away with the Northern Trust. He captures the FedEx Cup. And then, oh, by the way, runs away with a green jacket at Augusta National. Now, is this a, a moment where you get your second major championship? You get your validation and now the floodgates are open. Is that what we expect from DJ in 2021? I, I don't think we've seen this kind of domination since Tiger 20 years ago. I really not not this kind of golf. Not when you're talking first, second, first in the FedEx. Then then you talk about the Masters and, and running away with it. But every player on the PGA Tour and around the world can thank Brooks Kepka for waking DJ up because <laughs> yeah, once he said at the PGA Championship, it would have ticked off anybody in the world of any athlete. And DJ saying, "Wait a second, you're saying that I can't finish." I'll show you who can't finish. And I think because of that, you're going to see DJ continue to be motivated and have one of these dominant runs where we don't worry about the world number one. We worry about everybody else. But DJ will be a dominant world number one because he's now motivated. And that's a dangerous DJ. I think it is interesting, Kyle, because Coach is right. I, I mean, th like this 2020 calendar year of official World Golf ranking points, like DJ laps the field. Like, like it's not particularly close. So I, I hate getting into the dominance comparison to Tiger, but this, it, it might be true that this was the most dominant season or maybe stretch, maybe you want to call it after the, the, the return to golf that we've seen in a while. It is, although I would go back to, I mean, JT won five times in 2017, sure. Spieth won five times in 2015, Rory won uh, whatever his, I think, 15 or four, 2014, he won three or four times. So I think there have been other stretches. Um, I think the thing I think about with DJ is, remember back in uh, August or July, Rick, you and I were talking about how there's going to be somebody over the next 11 months because there's seven majors in the next 11 months, somebody's going to going to make a career out of the next 11 months. Yeah. And right now it looks like that's like, he he'll have to do something in 2021 to make that sort of come true. If like we get four new major winners in 2021, then that prediction was, was not, it didn't, it wouldn't come to fruition because nobody would have won multiple majors and multiple times, but he's the most likely candidate. Now we didn't know who it was going to be, back in July, but now it's clearly he's the front runner for that to have happened to. And I keep going back to his career achievements are now matching what his actual talent is. And I think that is, uh, I, I, I like that because you don't want to see somebody sort of like this happens with Charles Barkley, not to bring like basketball into this, but Charles, Bar Charles Barkley was unbelievable. Like I, any, but the only thing is talked about is Oh, he didn't want an NBA title. It's like, man, that is like, just completely missing the point, you know? And, and so I'm glad that for DJ, that's not going to be true that, oh, uh, well, he only won one major and he didn't know what his score was whenever he wanted. So <laughs> uh, I'm glad for that. And I think he's just, he's the front runner for that, like career's worth of uh, achievements to happen over that 11 month period. Yeah, we talked a lot about somebody was going to make a Hall of Fame career out of these 11 months. He already had one, but he could really cement his legacy. So our buddy on Twitter, Nosferatu, who's like the official world golf ranking maverick. Uh, so he's looking at the two-year rolling average, which is what the official world golf rankings are based on. DJ, 12.6 points. John Rahm, about 10. But if you do one year... DJ 17, John Rom 11, gap much bigger. 
it's i mean there's a lot that goes into those ranking points but it's it's big trust us it's it's massive um speaking of the official world golf rankings coach you know i i think it's fun to go and look back at how we ended 2019 right a year ago here was the top 10 in the world think about this number one brooks kepka Rory McIlroy was two, John Rahm three, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, Tiger Woods, Patrick Cantlay, Justin Rose, Xander Shoffley, Tommy Fleetwood. So Rose is outside the top 30. Woods is outside the top 40. So what I'm getting at here, coach, is there's going to be a lot of shuffling, right? Like the, the way we look at the top 10 a year from now is not going to be the same. So I'm just kind of curious if we have any indication of guys that might be dropping out like a Woods or a Rose did in 2020 or guys that might be injecting themselves like a Colin Morikawa did or like a, I'm trying to see who the bigger jumps are, like a Terrell Hatton went from 32 to 10. I I, I think it's going to be more about players that jump in because mm. we know this, we, we know it's flawed. The system is flawed. We know that. Right. And and so whenever you start a career, you and, you and you play really well at the beginning, that's when you jump up really, really quickly. So when I look at the top 15, and I say, what would be my statement about the world golf rankings and moving in and out of the top 10? My statement would be this, that the three young guns, meaning Morikawa, Hovland, Wolf, by the end of this season, will all three be in the top 10 hmm. because they're still in the midst of their first two years. So everything they do is building up and nothing is falling off. And so they're going to continue to build while other guys have stuff falling off. And I think for those reasons, those three guys will either be in it because right now they're all three in the top 15. They're all three right. in the top 15, which is hard to believe that all three are in the top 15. But I think they'll all three be in the top 10. And this is a conversation we love to have. We re-ranked those young guns a couple of days ago. It is, it's shocking. It's almost appalling at times, Kyle, what they're able to do at such, at such a young age. I mean, there are some names, though. I think we're getting to the point also kind of what we talk about a lot is the depth of the PGA Tour uh, and the depth of the world golf, I should really I should really say. I mean, there are some legitimate big-time names in this top 10 that I would find it hard to believe are going to fall out, but looking at history, it's it's going to happen to somebody. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> I think, we got him. Sure? We got him. Sure? <laughs> well, I just it, – it's – we, we any of them could right like who would have thought this time a year ago that Kepka would be what is he 12th and falling Kepka yeah. might fall to the top 25 based on like he's got a bunch of stuff coming off he's got the PGA coming off in May like if he doesn't have a good first three or four months he's going to be ranked I mean with Ricky Fowler 50th and 40th 50th in the world and so who would have thought that a year ago probably nobody I I think Hatton is a little bit – I get a little nervous around like – and Hatton was different because I think he he built a lot of this around PGA Tour stuff, but sometimes you can get these inflated Euro Tour numbers that kind of help you out with the OWGR. Um, so, yeah, he, he – I guess – I guess it's, you know, very cliche to pick the 10th-ranked guy to fall out. But <laughs> Yeah, big, uh, uh, big take there. He, yeah, he would probably be up there for me and maybe maybe Morikawa. I don't know. I look, I love Morikawa. I, I think he's awesome. I think that um that he's gonna have a really good career, but I, I could see him going, I don't know, six months or whatever without winning. He he fell off after the PGA, his numbers weren't as good. Now, like coach said, uh he's he hit, those guys benefit because they haven't built up to that 40 week number or whatever, whatever however many counting events there are. 
but he's a guy that I could see going cold for stretches at a time because uh, his putting is not great and his driver doesn't carry him like some of those other guys. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to imagine some of these guys dropping off, but we'll, we'll certainly see uh, here. Here's one I want to get to. I love this. This is Kyle's storyline and it's all about the Ryder cup. Ooh, I have Ryder cup year, Kyle. Oh my goodness. Uh, so there's kind of a couple of things here. Uh, first of all, you know, you look at the rankings now, they're obviously going to change a lot over the course of the next, you know, six months or so. And there's more captains picks. They've kind of changed the way that they're doing this. Um, you've kind of lined up your storyline around John Rom, right? And if he's going to make that leap kind of into Ryder cup lore, I guess it would be. Yeah. So, yeah, I've got a lot of different storylines, cbsports.com, <laughs> check it out. But Rom is – so for me, Rom, Rom's leap is less about the Ryder Cup and more about does he win a major championship, right? Mm. So – but I think in doing that, he can become – like I think – think back to Paris. That was Rom's first Ryder Cup. He's this like – he's not like one part of the heart and soul of the team. It's still Rory. It's still uh, – it was kind of Fleetwood – and Rom was like kind of this doing this thing on the side where he's beating Tiger on Sunday and, and all these different things. I think so. I have two big storylines as it relates to the Ryder Cup. The first is the Euro team could look way different uh, in 2021 than it did in 2018. Think about how much turnover there is in two years, much less you tack on another year and you've got Hovland in the mix. You got all these different guys that. And we've talked about this, Rick. Like, when are the when are the Roses and Stinsons? What is their last Ryder Cup? Did it already happen, or right. is it going to be in in twenty twenty one or beyond that? Who who knows? So that's one for me. And then two is who's the soul of the the American team? Because mm. we've reached this like passing of the torch where it's like Phil and Tiger. I think are are done at Ryder Cups. I don't think they will be playing any more Ryder Cups. I think they'll be involved, and I think they should be, but I don't think they'll be playing. And the, the passing of the torch was supposed to be to Jordan Spieth. Well, Spieth's not going to be playing any Ryder Cups either right now. So does it go to DJ? Does he even want that? Is, is it Kepka? Does anybody want to follow Bryson? Uh, is what's Reed going to like, what, what's the Patrick Reed situation? I think it goes to Justin Thomas, but I think that the, the drama around like who's the heart and soul of the American team is fascinating to me because it should be Spieth and it's not because he's not going to be there. So I don't know. I, I just, I love thinking and talking about that stuff. And I think it's super interesting. It's interesting coach, because here are the, here are the six Americans that, you know, if we played it today would be qualified. So you have Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka, Colin Morikawa and Xander Shoffley. And I think to Kyle's point, it's one thing to lead by example, like lead as a player, right? Which all these guys can do. DJ can go out there. He can get a bunch of points, but in a Ryder cup scenario in the locker room, you kind of need, that vocal leader, that guy to rally around. And I think maybe de facto it's JT. Uh, but it, I, I think Kyle's right. There's not there's not an obvious answer here. There seems to be, because JT, the reason we say JT is because he's been like the one guy who's been able to crack the Tiger Woods code as far right. as yeah. being a friend and, and allowed behind the, 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 the Wizard of Oz, so to speak. But here's my <laughs> biggest issue. My biggest issue with the Ryder Cup, and I love the fact that they made this uh, uh, th this panel or whatever they want to call it, this task force, but until, and we use the word leader all the time, we've used it in the last two minutes probably five times, until as a leader, somebody says, we have to blow this thing up. Mm -hmm. And it can't, we can't be completely loyal to the big names just because they're the big names. 
and Kyle already said it, you can't say Spieth anymore. You can't say Tiger anymore. You can't say Phil anymore. But that's been the issue. And the last Ryder Cup is, oh, the U.S. has all this talent. But yet they didn't play well together. When are we going to say we have to put together a team and stop saying that the next uh, wild card or the captain's picks have to be 8, 9, 10, 11, 12? Yeah. If, if 20 fits better into the team, like a Kevin Kisner who got left off the last time, then let's put a Kevin Kisner onto the team. This is about beating the European team. It's not about making all the big stars happy just to put them on the team. And that's where I have an issue, and that's got to change moving forward. So I have this theory about the Ryder Cup that I think the Euros are so good. One, because they grow up like uh, thinking about that more than the Americans do, but also because yeah. their leader, their soul for the last, I don't know, decade has been Rory. And Rory... <sighs> You don't hear him talk about, well, the ball I was playing was not spinny enough. And it's like, just shut up, dude. Go play. Like, and, and that's what Rory does. Rory, Rory just goes and just hammers people. And the Americans, like, that should have been Phil and Tiger, but Phil's always talking about, you know, coffee or whatever. And then Tiger's like, well, I can't get the equipment out in because the ball. And it's like, God, what are, what are we talking about? Right. And so could that be JT? I think it could. Um, and if it is, I, I, I think JT can be very galvanizing, uh, for the American team. I don't know if he, I don't know if that's how it'll play out, but I definitely think he's capable of that. And I hope he gets the chance. I, I think it'd be pretty cool to see. But don't you think that somebody, and maybe he's got the guts to do this, but I would love to hear a story about behind closed doors, JT standing up and says, guys, we've had it. Yeah. This is enough. And from this point forward, whoever's in is in, whoever's out is out. But there's no more eyes. We gotta have more stories like Bubba's showing up and just being there, even though you're not on the team. Are you gonna be a part of Team USA or not? And that's what somebody needs to say. Yeah, and that's I, whatever I, that yeah. role looks like. I agree because it's not. I mean, DJ's not gonna do that. That's not his deal. Uh, nobody's gonna. I mean, Bryson and Reed are too polarizing. Brooks is just. I don't know. I, I don't know if it, 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 it would, I think JT is almost the only candidate and he's also, I think the best one in, in, in so many I ways. Agree. So I, I think that'll be, I think it'll be cool to watch. Cause I think JT is really good at stuff like that. Certainly going to be fascinating. I want to dive into a couple of individual players, talk a bit about distance, but we're going to do that on the other side. First, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating 
workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now, here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, First-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. Uh, the, if, if COVID, uh, was the biggest storyline in 2020, then Bryson DeChambeau, uh, was definitely a clear second coach. And, and we've talked about this a lot on this podcast uh, about the transformation, obviously that Bryson has gone through, but what I think people aren't realizing is he's not done. Right. Like we, we, we say there's this nine month period where he puts on 35 pounds or whatever. That is not the final form of Bryson DeChambeau. He's going to continue to tinker. Literally, he is going to continue to tinker as he has over his entire career. Some things he's kept. He's got rid of the side saddle putting. He's kept the one, uh, the one length irons. I mean, he's just going to continue to do this. And I guess he's either going to continue to prove people wrong or he's just going to be this really polarizing figure probably every year. I told the PGA Tour two years ago, I sent them a full list of things I would change and things that I would fix because I I was tired of hearing of players uh, complaining because they didn't have enough off-the-course earnings or I'm not getting a sponsor (laughs) from this person uh, in this company. I say, listen, you've got to look yourself in the mirror and say, how do I make myself different? And by doing that, so many different doors can open up to you. And I would, I, I love the fact that Bryson has done this because I laugh when you hear one of the traditional golfers because I'm tired of traditional golf. I'm tired of this is the way we've always done it. I'm tired of their old school. No, no, no. This is 2021. And Bryson is the prototype now. And I love the fact that he's looking at all these different players and saying, not only am I doing it, but I'm beating you in the process. <laughs> and that is what ticks all these players off. And not only is he beating them in the process, he's winning the hardest major there is to win. So I want Bryson to go as far as he can go, do as much as he can do, change as much as he can change, so these other players stop feeling comfortable and we see some change on the PGA Tour. I, I think it. I think it's sorry, Rick. I think no, it you're, takes. A, you're good. I think it takes a certain level of one arrogance or confidence, and two. This I hate using this word when it comes to golf or what you know sports, but bravery to say like I'm the fifth best guy in the on the planet at this thing, but I'm gonna like take some risks to become even better, right? Like that's that's crazy. Like I, Rick and I were talking about this the other day. The, these videos of him and uh, Berkshire that are on YouTube where they're like trying to hit 160 swing speed. Once it's like 
what am I watching? Like Bryson's in a, in a onesie, like a, a, like pajamas. And he's trying to like change everything about his swing and his, and his body and all these different things. It's like, dude, you're already like, I'm not six best in the world at anything. And you, and you're like top six in this thing. And, and, and you're still continuing to change. I just think there's a lot to criticize about Bryson and, I think that that is very commendable because not every, like he, he, his life and everything about what he was doing is very comfortable. And he was saying, that's not enough. And I just, I find that pursuit fascinating and also commendable. And I, I don't think he, I don't know that it, like, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. I, I agree with you. And, and, and most people probably don't know that I was the voice of the world long drive tour and we're going to get it back going again. So I'm very close with Kyle Berkshire, also fast Eddie Fernandez. And it's funny cause I was with fast Eddie a few weeks ago in Florida and actually he got a text from Bryson while we were at the mall together and <laughs> they sure. become like buddies, they become friends because he is so fascinated by distance and yeah. he's been the first person and the only person. And now Graham McDowell is doing it too. To go to these world long drive guys, instead of saying they're a freak show, they're saying maybe they are the show. And now working with them has made the long drive guys normal. And also they've made Bryson even longer. And so now you see those worlds coming together. I think that's great for golf too. Yes. It's, it's unbelievable stuff. We're not, we're nowhere uh, close to being done KP, which kind of brings us to the, the next question. And when, when things go, go in this direction it's like will anybody step in and change this is there a distance problem will anybody draw a line in the sand uh we have these conversations uh, endless amounts of times on twitter right and we go back and forth in circles all day long uh where are we heading in 2021 towards any i guess concrete or tangible changes to either equipment or otherwise yeah. So I think that one of the problems when it comes to the distance thing, I was listening to um, Keith Mitchell on the No Line Up podcast the other day, and he was he was uh, defending where distance is at, what players are doing. And I think one of the problems when we talk about distance is that I think people think that it's being critical of the players or that it's an indictment of the players or anything like that. My whole thing with the, the distance debate is I want to I want golf and majors and the PGA Tour to be able to go to to golf courses that are that are being played in reasonable ways and not like we talk about with the, this with the uh, the LPGA like going to the country the uh, Country Club of Charleston that's awesome because it the, the course is played in a way that golf was intended. I I sound like Nick Saban, but in a, in a way that it was intended to be played. And you start going to Wingfoot and Bryson's taking it over trees and like going all this stuff. That's look, that's not a like good for him. Like he's the one that's doing it. And he should, again, I, I just said it, he should be commended for that, but I don't want to not be able to go to Wingfoot anymore. Are we there? No, we're not there. But what does it look like in 10 years? What does it look like in 30 years? Are we still able to go to Wingfoot? Is Wingfoot 11,000 yards and they spent a billion dollars on it? Are we only able to get, are we having the PGA championship at Top Golf? Like that's my, <laughs> that's my whole thing with Hopefully. the distance. With, yeah. With the distance <laughs> debate is not, it says I, like, I don't take the players out of it. I don't even care about that. I'm concerned about protecting great golf courses because what produces the most interesting golf, it's going to great golf courses. It really is. And and if that if that doesn't change, you're going to see far fewer courses being used really and also for major championship venues too. Yeah. Yeah. 
I want to talk about two players specifically here before we put a bow on this. And it wouldn't be a first cut pod if we didn't talk about Jordan Spieth, who, uh, let me check my Jordan Spieth clock here. Three and a half years, coach. It's been three uh, and a half years man. since a victory. I, I, I mean, I've been, we've been saying that, right? We said two years and we said two and a half. And then we said, I, I just, I, I'm still always surprised by it. It, it's I was there at the Travelers when he won in what I call, uh, if not one of the top three finishes of all time, it's it's right there. Uh, it was one of the most amazing moments of my professional career. And to watch him in that moment and then to watch him to go win the Open Championship, you couldn't have told me that he would not win again in, since 2017. He's my 1B, with Tiger Woods being my 1A. And for about a year, I lost money every single week because I would bet on Jordan Spieth. This is going to be the time. And I would go head up, head up, head up, head up, and I would lose every single week. And so then this year, I started making money, betting against Jordan Spieth. But it hurt my heart as a fan because I didn't like rooting against him. And I hope that he can figure it out. But, guys, if I was to bet on which way I think he's going to go – I don't know that he's going to get it back. I don't know that he's ever going to become a top five player again because right now it's T40, T38, T47, and that's what his new normal is, and it sucks. But that's where he is, and that's why I'm keeping my eye on this year because I want him to be back because he's great for the game. What you just described, Coach, I think is kind of the most interesting part about this. It's not the three and a half years without victory, Kyle. It's like... It would be one thing if he had nine runner ups, runners up, right? I just, I just feel like he's not even contending as much as he should be, which is, which seems to be a bigger problem than when we have the conversation about Tony Finau uh, touches the lead on the back nine on Sunday and can't close. That's, that's a completely different conversation. It is. I think <laughs> the problem right now is that the only argument against what Coach just said is that it's historically unprecedented, which is not a great <laughs> argument. Like that's, that's your best argument for speed finding it is that it's historically unprecedented for somebody to win three majors by the age of 23 and then fall off, just never do anything again. Yeah. That, that's that like, I don't know what else I'm holding on to right now. Right. And so I don't know. It was weird. You know, the other day when you and I were talking, Rick, and you said, who, who are the only guys, what was it? The only guys who have had a season where they gained, uh, one stroke per round under the age of 23 yeah. so in the shot link era and Spieth right. had three of them. Yeah. I, I completely, I forgot to guess Spieth. I was guessing Hideki. I was guessing Rory and it just, it stinks that it's, uh, yeah, it's, we're almost so far from it that I've just forgotten all the other stuff. And like coach said, it's just who he is right now. And what's hard for me is in the era of PGA tour live where the stars are shown every single shot, in the morning and early afternoon, Spieth is still put into those groups. So you're still seeing him struggle on Thursdays and Fridays. And I don't know that it's adding to his struggles, but these players know when they're on PGA Tour Live. And when you're struggling that much, and yet you know they're showing every single shot instead of afternoon TV coverage when they only show the good shots, players know that. And I... I don't know how much longer they can continue to put Spieth in these groups on PGA Tour Live. Yeah, the argument the argument I've made, I mean, it's so it'd be so good for the game. Um, obviously, if Jordan Spieth was competitive again, right? I mean, we have such a great crop of golfers. If you injected Jordan Spieth back into that mix, it would just, you know, I'd be foaming at the mouth. Um, Brooks Kepka, last guy I want to talk about. 
And th- this to me is the biggest question mark of the year, Kyle, right? I mean, the guy ends 2018 as the number one player in the world. He ends 2019 as the number one player in the world. He's going to end 2020 as the number 12 player in the world. And what I hate about this, what I hate about this conversation is I feel like it's not about golf, right? It's it's not about is his game good enough. It's about is the body healthy enough? Will it hold up? Which I is a conversation I hate having. Yeah, it's true. And I think that, you know, I think with Kepka, we're at the stage where it's, you start asking, and and this is, this is a little bit of Jordan Spieth conversation as well. And certainly Rory, you start asking, okay, is, is success at that level sustainable for 15 years or is it because golf is so competitive, especially at the very top at major championships, are you like, are you going to win all your majors in three years? I mean, that's what, that's kind of what Rory did. That's what Brooks has done. That's what Spieth did. Um, is that just, is that just where we're at? You just get hot for two or three years and then that's it. I think the thing with Brooks that, and we're talking about this with DJ, his whole shtick, like his whole thing of like, I don't care about golf. I don't care about anything, whatever. It becomes a little less like cool when you're not winning. And it becomes a lot more petty when you're, when you're finishing T21 um, and that's what I, th- this happened, I think a year and a half ago. And I was, uh, I, I kept saying like, what is this going to, what is his whole aura going to be like <laughs> whenever he's not winning? Because it's, it doesn't come off great. And some of that's not his fault. He's been injured, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't have a ton of, I think 2021 is a huge year for him. Just like, who are you going to be for the next three to five years? And I don't have a ton of confidence going into it. Mm. I have been so critical, especially when I did morning drive. I would almost purposely critique Brooks Kepka Whenever we were doing I said, give me Brooks. Because I wanted to say things to get him motivated. I wanted to say things to get him pumped up because I love athletes like him. But I also compare him to like a Bill Belichick and a Nick Saban. People think Bill Belichick is like the guy you see in front of the, the microphone. I've been around <laughs> it. I've been behind the scenes. He's an absolutely cool guy who loves rock and roll. He loves putting the stick on for the fans. It's a whole, like, another persona. That's what Brooks was doing. Until what, what do we see recently now? He's shooting Instagram Q&As with his gorgeous girlfriend. This is all calculated. Because what you just said, Kyle, is it's not so cute anymore when you become the guy that doesn't care and still goes out and wins the U.S. Open. Okay, but when you don't care and you're missing cuts and all of a sudden you're getting surgeries and all of a sudden this and that and you're in your insulting DJ and then he goes on a run. All of a sudden, you're not that cool guy anymore. And he's got to figure out, I'm going to put my head down, keep my mouth shut, answer these questions and get back into that conversation. Because right now, DJ's looking at him and saying, hey, little boy, I'm finishing. What are you going to do? So what you're saying, what you're saying is the sleeveless hoodie is not as funny when you're losing to the to the Bills by 30 on Monday Night Football. Is that, <laughs> no, is that no, right? That's exactly right. And throwing phones. I love it. Absolutely love it, gentlemen. Thank you very much. That's our 2021 PGA Tour storylines. We're going to be back with a little trivia action, which oh, you should see the questions, gentlemen. Uh, prepare for pain uh, because they're going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. Uh, let me thank the coach. Coach, much appreciated. You can find him on Twitter at the Coach Rules. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Kyle Porter, as usual, on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. Producer Jacob behind the glass. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut and we'll catch you next time.
It's the NFL offseason, but I'll pick six. Part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. The football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.